Hallelujah. Christ is risen. All right, much better than 8 o'clock. Yes, indeed. We had to do it twice, but we got a response. The second Sunday of Easter is called Low Sunday because everyone's so exhausted from all the services they've attended, they have a tendency not to always be there on the second Sunday. I had a great friend, Tom Woodward, who was a clown with me, and he was the chaplain at the University of Wisconsin. And his attendance day was the largest on the second Sunday after Easter of any church or any chaplaincy in probably in our entire nation. Because he called it Joke Sunday and he had spent a whole year preparing jokes that he would record. He was one of the few people I've known that could tell jokes for three and a half hours and never even come close to repeating himself. So in his pulpit, he would stand up and he would include everyone who was sitting out in the congregation in his jokes. And it was a packed house. And all the other chaplains in the vicinity were wondering what's going on and really surprised when people came out in laughter. In laughter. In joy. We celebrate today the risen Christ. And I want to go back for a moment to sort of give you some ideas that might help us to influence how we, in fact, saw the disciples' response to the resurrection. Chuck Gompertz always, when he talked about the disciples, would have a beginning statement that sort of went like this. Did you realize that the disciples, the average age was probably 16? Not exactly the image I was given as a child, because I thought they're all around their 30s and 40s. However, the tradition at the time, for a person to walk away from the father who is fishing, you had to be 12, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, because it was at that time that you were able to mentor with a rabbi to learn about the faith. And Jesus, when he collects all of his disciples, goes to all these areas where the young men were encouraged to learn about the faith of God. So put that in your mind for a moment. These were young guys. Now, the maturity of this particular group was based upon the women. Because it was the women who were older, they in fact provided the background for Jesus and his disciples to meet and be fed. So they are a part of the group. Now, when we look at the Last Supper, you have to understand that They could only find room enough for the 12 around the table, but there was a whole lot more at the Last Supper. And the Last Supper was, in fact, an announcement that he was going to die, which the disciples, as young people, did not take very well. And Peter, the elder, probably of the group, was the one that denied him three times when they asked him, You know the man. Oh, no. 
Uh-oh. The youngness, the youthfulness was self-protection from Peter. And he was very quick to point out that he didn't know this guy that was going to be put to death. So we've got this whole story of these young people who, when in fact he was crucified, ran away. They hid. The only people that were really responsible beyond the death coming to the tomb was who? The women. The supporters of the ministry of Jesus Christ living and now resurrected. And it's many times that the first report was by Mary Magdalene about saying, I've seen the risen Lord. And the disciples didn't want any part of that because they could face death. So I hope this pictured image is pretty strong in your head because what happens later is a shock to me as a child because I was always wondering how on earth can they claim that someone was raised from the dead because I've never seen it. It's not an experience of my life. How on earth could they profess Christ crucified, dead, and risen? So now when you understand who they were, what a remarkable turnaround from fear and fright and discontent and confusion and denial. They turn around within a short period of time confessing that he's alive. That he has risen. So this group who were ready to hide and run away and disperse themselves come together to celebrate a gathering that the women again sponsored and he walks in the midst of them shows them his hands and his side and they're filled with this utter, utter impossible joy that here was the person who died and God raised from the dead. A profession of faith. Now, this is the better part of the story, too. Because you see, Thomas was not there. They all experienced this, but Thomas. And Thomas contended that until I see him alive and I can touch his body and realize that he is, in fact, truly, I'm not going to believe. Now, as a young child, I was given the impression that to be a doubter is someone that was less than or was too big in their britches because they were arrogant. So Thomas in this story presented a challenge for me because he was doubting what they all were saying was true. Well, you ought to go along with the gang. But the important thing about Thomas in this lesson for us today is the fact that he was able to voice and confront his doubts in such a way that when Jesus appeared, what does he do? He didn't say, oh, Thomas, why didn't you believe? No, 
the first thing he does is he gets physical with Thomas and says, here, touch my hands, touch my side. Know that I'm risen. Thomas is overwhelmed and transformed into belief where he says, my Lord and my God. So this is the Sunday, the low Sunday, where in fact, we may have still some doubts. But it's the doubts to be expressed in our hearts and minds about what we face daily. And the important thing that Thomas teaches us today is it is critical to say honestly and openly that we have doubts. That we have questions, unanswered questions. It's interesting, both in high school and in college and later on teaching, that it was the student that had the guts to raise their hand and challenge the teacher or say, wait a minute, I don't understand. Because I was always taught to be cool, to be consistent, to fit into the group, don't break the norms. But every time a person in class would do this, I'd listen very intently because that person had hit exactly what I was wanting to know. Thomas had to have the proof physically. And Jesus never, ever challenged him, but gave him the proof like he had given the other disciples before. Doubting is really critical because it gives us an opportunity to learn, to hear, and expand our faith. I remember I had a small Sunday school, and we used to meet just before the church, and we met in the church itself. And I had the kids come up front, and they would sit in a circle. Now, the rule in kids' church at that time was no question was a bad question. So the kids would begin asking me all different kinds of questions. Well, it was interesting to me that this is the children's service, and all of a sudden, in the back pews were a lot of adults. And gradually, they started moving forward. Because as the child asked the question, whether they doubted or not, they asked a question, and all the adults turned their ears to hear. And I remember one child said, why do we kneel when we pray? And I could see the parents go, <laughs> and then I said, well, you know, we don't always kneel when we pray. There's the Oran's position, which we pray open to God. Kneeling is a sense of being penitential and directly giving our commitment in our time and meditation to God. So there's many different forms of prayer. And it was amazing to me how all the adults seem really happy about their prayer life, a little bit better about their prayer life because a child asked the question. What we need to do is face our doubts up front. We should not hide them or deny them, but ask the questions. 
It's so interesting to me that so often we have experiences here at St. John's where people are allowed to ask the questions. And the responses are varied and different. But it's all about taking faith in your willingness to be vulnerable through the question. It's a hard challenge. It's a difficult one for all of us, me included. But it's what we learn today from Thomas, being strong in his doubt, being forward in his doubt, and knowing, like the rest of the disciples, that Jesus was risen from the dead. That he, in fact, was present with all of them to allow them to have a sense of community and commitment. And the story goes on after all of this stuff. These young guys went out and attempted to convert the world, facing the death that all of them were afraid of before, because they had knowledge that Jesus was alive and Jesus, through God, was giving us peace and hope in our lives so that all of our questions may come forward because God, through Christ, is present with us all. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.